Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Let's turn to the book of Ezekiel chapter 47. God has been good to me. Can anyone agree with that? Has God been good to any of you? Praise the name of the Lord. And greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. Where you at, Brother Nehemiah? Go ahead and sing it. Your things are yet to come. Are still to be done in this city. Let's sing this together, everybody. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. Twenty twenty is not going to steal my song. chapter 47 reading with verse 1 we welcome you to the anchor today whether you're watching by way of the web or you're here in person today we're glad you're here would you welcome all of our guests today we're so glad for all of our guests that are here if you're watching online you're virtual today we pray that you will worship God at home the way you would in church Amen. Set your coffee aside for just a little while. And we're in your coffee cake. And I told somebody, I said, the Anchor Church is going to be real sweet this Sunday. All those cookies. Sister Tackett made some, and Lakin made some of those peanut butter cookies with the Hershey's Kisses right on top of it. They're going to serve those in glory land. I'm going to tell you right now. That and a good cup of coffee. We are blessed, aren't we? Amen. Afterward, he brought me again to the door of the house. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under from the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Interpretation would be simple. The waters came out of the temple, but they came out from under the altar. It's like a geyser. Water came from the depths, out of the altar, run out of the temple, down the mountain. It says in verse 3, And when the man that had the line in his hand, the angel, went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits. 
and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters and the waters were to the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters were to the loins. Look at your neighbor say, it's getting deep in here. Afterward, he measured a thousand and it was a river. Somebody shout, a river. It was a river that I could not pass over. For the waters were risen waters to swim in. When I think swim in, I think jump in. Swim in. Deep waters. A river that could not be passed over. Verse 8, then said he unto me, these waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert. Everybody say the desert. And go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the water shall be healed. Verse 9, and it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the rivers, remember it started with a river, now it's plural, it's rivers, shall come wherever, whithersoever, or wherever the rivers shall come, whatever they touch, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed, and everything shall live whither the river cometh. I'd like to preach to you on simply one word today, and it is jump. Look at your neighbor and say, quit waiting and jump. Tell somebody, shout, jump in. Amen. God bless you as you are seated today. Growing up in West Virginia meant a lot of mountain streams, rivers, and lakes. I grew up right next to a river. I could, at night, raise the window and listen to the waterfalls that was right out my front door. It was a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, a little town called Glen Ferris. And um, it was where two rivers met. One was the New River, the other was the Golly River. If you know anything about outdoors and whitewater rafting, it's two tremendous rivers that are about three hours from here. Great, great experience. The Golly River especially is probably the number one uh, whitewater rafting river on the East Coast. I do believe it's number two, maybe number three in the nation to whitewater raft if you like that sort of thing. Anyone ever been in whitewater rafting? Yeah, yeah. rest of you are smart. They actually even have a rock down there on the New River, and it's called Jump Rock. Um, you, it's, it's a place down where the river narrows, but you can jump off pretty high, high cliff. You can jump off of it, and they usually stop the raft boats and jump there, and I've jumped off that rock. There's also another place that you can jump in that the river narrows, and anytime water is pushed narrow, it speeds up. And when you jump in that water, you jump in, you disappear probably here to the length of the sanctuary, then you pop back up again. It uh, sounds, sounds safe, doesn't it? Um, and, uh, but growing up on, on the rivers there, there was, uh, it was a, a, a neat experience. And, of course, you have to learn to swim at a young age to live where I grew up. Um, I remember this one place. Every year we would go to this place called Carnifax Ferry, and that was uh, sort of like a park. Uh, it's near the Summersville Lake and connects to the Golly River. It's up on top of a mountain. And we would have our church picnics up there. And it was a great, great time, a lot of great memories there, running around with the kids from the church. We'd play softball and, and uh, eat potluck food. And uh, I remember one day, though, I was with my friends. We decided to take one of the nature trails down to the river and we get down there and and um we decided to go well one of us or all of us you know how you get too many boys together they're going to get in trouble usually and when you're teenagers we get down to the edge of the river and uh it was a hot day and they said hey why don't we just jump in we'll probably dry it off by the time we get to the top and i remember getting down there and what i what i didn't realize at that stage of my life is the Gala river comes out of the bottom of the Summersville Lake. You know what that means? The water is very cold 
even in the summertime. Even if you raft the Gully River in the summertime, you have to have a wetsuit because the water is so cold. And, and, uh, but I didn't realize that, standing there that day, desiring to go swimming. And, and so we do what boys do on the first day of the year to go swim. We stood at the edge of the river and said, all right, who's going to go first? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever grow up doing that? You know, I mean, I mean, there's a problem. You know, if you try to swim putting ankle deep in, usually, you know, you're usually the last guy to get in. Do you ever notice that? My kids never found cold enough water. I'm just going to tell you. Any of your kids like that? Swimming, they don't care. They're going swimming. But uh, we, didn't, we didn't go ankle deep. We, we stood on the edge and knew if we're going to go, we got to jump in. Well, who's going to go first? And we realized that none of us would go first. We would just, all right, everybody on the count. Does this sound familiar to anybody? All right, everybody on the count of three will all jump in at the same time. And I know at least in my mind, I'm gonna act like I'm going and let everybody else go in and let it test the waters, if you will. And so I, I stood at the edge of the water. One, two, three. Well, three of us stayed back and Doug went in. Doug disappeared in that water. My buddy, Doug Arthur, he disappeared in the water. And I remember he came up out of the water and shook his head like this. He said, man, it feels great. Come on in. He was lying. He was lying. He was convincing though. And the rest of us, I remember I jumped in next. When I jumped down in that water, probably cannonballed down in that water. When I did, it was the coldest water I had ever been in in my life. I come up there, Doug, you're a liar. Water, water, cold water. I was telling the church this morning that I remember that growing up that there was a sort of a, a rule if you found a boat on the river then and you, you would you'd find a boat that had got lost when the waters would get high and get off the bank and you found the boat, you'd report it to the state police station and they would, they would put it on the list or whatever and no one claimed it in 60 days, you could have a free boat. Well, it was January and there was a boat that was some distant from the shore and I decided I'm gonna try to get that boat. But the rope and the hook I had to try to get it wasn't long enough. And in my hillbilly country boy ways, I just decided, you know, I really want that boat. And, and uh, so what I'll do, I can't reach it. I'm not going to swim to it. There was a tree on the bank. I thought I'll just jump off the bank, grab the top of that tree and ride it down in that boat. You know why? Because I was dumb. I mean, it's ignorant. But that's exactly what I did. I didn't realize in my 17-year-old brain, I forgot that there's no sap in the tree in January. So when I grabbed the tree, it just broke midair. It didn't bend, it just snapped. I landed right down in that water in the, in the month of January. You're talking about cold water. I come into the back of that boat, soaking wet, gasping for breath. And when I did, the boat started sinking from the back all the way to the front. When I got to the boat, front of the boat, the whole boat was under the water. I jumped in. Had to swim back to shore. I come to the bank. The guy that was with me was an older man. He was very concerned for my health. I got on the floor of his truck and the only word I could get out was I got home. It took me 30 minutes in a warm shower just to warm up. I got downstairs and when they realized I was going to leave, they all started laughing at me. Bad news is I never got in the boat. But I did get wet in January. Can I tell you today that God in the church, there's an experience. And he tells us that in the church, you find something in this, what is known as, as Ezekiel's temple. And some have labeled it that, that all the way back in chapter 40, God has taken this prophet and has let him see how he wants the church to be. And he has him measuring all kinds of things. He's measuring the door of the church. He's measuring the windows of the church from chapter 40 all the way to chapter 47. He's measuring the dining room of the church and he measures all these things. He even measures the altar of the church and he goes all the way through and he takes him back to the beginning in chapter 47 and stands him at the door and said, now I want you to see what I want in my church. I've had you to measure some things, but there's one thing that you want to never forget that must be in the house of God. There needs to be a river that's in the house of God. There needs to be a flow that comes out of the altar in the house of God. You know what that river represents? The river of life. 
That river is not just just a river. That river, everything that it touches gets healed. Everything that gets around it gets delivered. It brings a life to even desert places. I want to stop and preach to you today. We don't need just good singing or good preaching or nice decor. We better have a move of the spirit in this building or we are here in vain. We've got to have a flow of his spirit. Even David understood it. If I'm going to conquer giants, I better get into the brook and get some stones out of the flow. If I'm going to ever overcome a Goliath in my life, can I tell you, Jesus is the river of life. We need the Holy Ghost moving among us. It's not good enough just to have a good church service. We've got to have a river that comes in us and through us and by us and around us. We've got to have a moving of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. People come to church and they don't understand it. They come in. May may I clarify, this is not just enthusiasm. People come to the church and the spirit of the Lord moving the spirit starts happening in the church and people start weeping. I've seen people even start trembling. I've seen people get up and get fidgety. I've even seen them get up and go to the restroom because they know something's going on. They don't know what it is, but they know there's something here beyond anything they've ever seen at a concert at some entertainment facility. They know there's something in the room. I've had people who come up to me and they say, oh, pastor, I I like that service. I could feel the energy. They didn't know how, they they didn't know it was the Holy Ghost, you know, the breath of God. That's what spirit means, the spirit of God. means the breath of God, God breathing on us. And uh, they, they don't know how to label it. It was like there's, a, there's just this aura here. There's, there's just something here. There, it was, man, that was powerful. I've never, I've had people tell me, I've never felt anything like that in my life. And, and I don't even know what it is, but it's powerful. And, and I've had people to come and tell me, say, you know, I can't explain it, Pastor Downs, but when I come to the church on Sunday, I, I, I could just stay here. I could, and one lady said, can I just sleep here on the seat? And I said, well, why? She said, because this is the only time I feel peace in my life is when I'm here. Can I tell you today, they don't know how to explain it, but I do. It's the river. It's the flow of God. And it's not here by accident. It's not here because we're religious. It's not here because just the formality of religion. It is here because God is here. How many believe that today? Can I go ahead and let me just preach to you. It's no accident. It's not the building. It's not 1365 that God just had this special little spiritual geyser underneath the location and we just happened to get a church building over somewhere where God had a geyser of his spirit. No, the spirit is here is because the people are here. It's not the building. It's not the facility and it's not even the address. This place has been made holy because God's people are here worshiping him and that is where he dwells is in the midst of the praises of his people. Can you say amen? There is a geyser that's here. There is a flow of God. There is a river. And if you look, you're going to find in your life, there are some things that you can measure. There's some things that are measurable. He went back, he measured the door, he measured the window. How many know you can measure those things? We can measure that this building is one acre. Almost exactly one acre, the building is that. You can measure the facility. You go through scripture and you'll find in Ezekiel when he was measuring the temple, it wasn't just measurement of the facility that moved God. It was what it represented in its measure. For instance, he measured the altar. Look at your neighbor and say, your altar can be measured. The altar, the altar in your world is what you do for God. It's measurable. Can I just word it this way? Your prayer life can be measured. Well, I prayed an hour today or I prayed, I I had an hour devotion today. You can measure that. You can even measure your giving. How many know that? All the way down to the 10th to a percent. You can measure it to the penny, if you will. You can measure your tithing. You can measure your offering. You can even measure your holiness. Your sacrifice to God of what you've given God. All of those things are measurable. You can measure your repentance. You can measure how many days you fasted and you've given up media, food, sugar, Caffeine, whatever it is on the fast, it, somebody say, it is measurable. measurable. 
You can measure all of those things. But can I preach what I'm preaching right here out of the book, chapter 47? You can measure the altar in your world, but you cannot measure the blessing that comes out of the sacrifice that you made. You can measure repentance, but you cannot measure mercy. You can measure tithing, but you cannot measure the financial blessing that's coming in your future. My goodness, I feel like preaching. You can measure an hour of prayer, but you cannot measure the blessing that you're going to get out of that hour of prayer. You can measure devotion, but you cannot measure what God's going to do when you walk with him. Look at your neighbor and say, do not measure God. And that's what was going on is that they had built an altar. They had measured the altar. They had measured some things. Some things have been done, but you cannot measure. Can I tell you, we can measure a week of fasting in this church, but we cannot measure what he's going to do for this community. But I come to tell you, there is a river that's in the anchor and it brings healing to everybody that gets near it or gets touched by it. There is a river. Somebody shout a river. Oh, would you lift your hands and ask God to speak to you today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for your divine word. Thank you for your divine spirit. Oh, God, speak to us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Somebody say a river. Jesus was baptized at the Jordan River. You'll find that Naaman was healed of leprosy in the Jordan River. A miracle happened in the water. What did he tell him? If you will dip, how many times? Anybody know? If you dip seven times, you will be healed of leprosy. How many know that when he was dipped the seventh time, he was healed of leprosy? Jesus chose to give a miracle to a man that was blind. He was in the temple in John 7, 8, and 9. It's a great, it's a great read. Jesus is teaching them that he is the one that has been sent from God. And in this, they were questioning him and a blind man is there that has been uh, put out. And Jesus, Jesus goes out and there's a blind man outside the temple that people knew very well because he would ask for alms and people knew him. And his family was a part of the religious worship there in the synagogue in the temple. He goes out and he looks at, he, Jesus looks at this blind man and he spits on the ground and makes spittle and puts in his eyes. Y'all know the story. He makes a, a, a spittle, the Bible calls it a clay, and he puts it in his eyes and he tells the blind man, go wash in the pool of Siloam and you'll be healed. Well, the man, I don't know how he found his way because he's blind. It's a long steps from the temple to the pool of Siloam. It's a long, tall, a lot of steps that go down. Somehow he made it to the pool of Siloam. When he steps into the pool of Siloam, you have to understand the pool of Siloam is like, is, was about the size of an Olympic pool, actually. And it had steps that went to it. It wasn't just a deep pool, not only a deep pool, but there were steps to go in. You know, if I was going to send a man to a pool that was blind, I probably ought to send him to one that they have steps in it. So he wouldn't what? Fall into the deep. And he knew that this place... The, the water, are you okay out there? All right, stay with me now. The water came into the pool of Siloam through Hezekiah's tunnel that was from a geyser or a spring called the Spring of Geshem, which was about seven feet wide and 20 foot long. And it was a river. It was, it was clear, clean, beautiful, life-giving water. And it flowed out and Hezekiah under his leadership, had dug a tunnel to feed the pool of Siloam. And the, 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 the pool of Siloam actually means sent, which was the narrative of the story on Jesus saying, God has sent me. I'm the Messiah. So he's going to do a miracle to parallel what he is teaching is that I'm the one that has been sent. So he is going to heal a man in the water. My goodness. I need a few minutes. Is that all right? See, every year, it, this, 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 this time, the reason they're in the temple because it, 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 was, it, was, a specific, it was a specific feast week. It was the, uh, the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. And what they would do is they would go down to the Pool of Siloam. They would take a pitcher of water. They would take a pitcher of water and they would come up and they would say that all the, all the living water that we get is from God. And they would actually pour water on the altar saying that God has blessed us 
with living water. That's right. And they would take a golden pitcher and pour it out and say that the Messiah was coming. Talking about living water. Well, Jesus is standing there in the temple and this is where he says, if any man thirst, in John 7 and 38 and 39, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Amen. For this spake he of the spirit that they which believe on him should receive. He said, for out of your bellies shall flow rivers of a living water. And what he was teaching the Jews is that I am the Messiah. I am the well of living water. I am the answer to all of your desert situations. I am the one that can heal you, deliver you, and set you free. And they said, no, you're not. And so he went out, he took a blind man, he took a blind man because he wasn't only the well. How many know the Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 14, amen. And the word was made flesh and what among us and we beheld his glory. Somebody shout Jesus. And the same one, you can be seated. The same one that said, I'm the well, steps out as the creator. It's not the first time he's formed somebody from, from the clay. And he spits on the ground, puts it in the man's eyes to go wash in the pool of Salhoam. Hey man, it was, a, it was a river of life, a river. It was a geyser, it was from the depths that flowed down to the pool of Salhoam that, 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 that fed that pool. And he goes down to the blind man, somehow makes his way. Maybe someone led him, I don't know. But when he gets down there and he gets to the pool, I can see as the blind man begins to splash a little bit. I don't know if he got down in there, but he begins to splash a little bit. The same pool of water where the golden pitcher was poured out on the altar of the temple saying, the Messiah's coming. The Messiah's coming. And Jesus was saying, I'm here. I'm not coming. I'm here. How many know he's not coming? He's here. Look at your neighbor say, the Messiah is here. Amen. That's what they did in the temple. But the blind man gets down and he dips his hands and washes his eyes out of the pool of Siloam. And when he does, he immediately receives his sight. And he walks back up the steps that he had to be led down. And he makes his way back up. And when they come out of the temple, they look and the man that used to beg as a blind beggar is now standing there and made whole. And they begin to say, who healed you? He said, he said, all I know is his name was Jesus. Watch this. And he says, all I know, I don't know him. I've never seen him. I mean, no, he hadn't seen him. You can line him up like in a criminal lineup. I wouldn't know which one he is. He said, all I know is I was blind, but now I see. Could I tell you? That's how it works when you come to God. You don't know him, but he touched you before you could ever know who he was. He healed you before you ever realized who he was. That's the kind of God that I serve. I feel like preaching today. John 15 says, he said, you didn't choose me. He said, I chose you when you were a sinner. When your life was a mess, I came to you. Somebody shout rivers. Can I preach to you that he is the river of life. He looked at a woman who had had five husbands and the one she didn't now had wasn't even hers. In John chapter four, known as the woman at the well, Jesus said to her, he said, if you drink of this water, you're gonna thirst again. He said, but the water that I shall give you, you shall never thirst. Lady, you're trying to cover up your sins with alcohol, marijuana, fentanyl, some crack cocaine. You're trying to cover it up with some other relationship and the only thing you are, you're gonna be miserable. But listen, I've got what you're looking for. I've got the river of life. I've got the hope that you need. I've got it. I've got it. She said to him, read John 4 later. Man, I get emotional when I'm preaching. I get stirred. But in John 4, she said, well, old Jew, who do you think you are? Tell me if I drink of this water, I'll thirst again. And that you're going to give me to drink. You don't even have a pitcher. You don't even have a pitcher. How are you going to give me a drink? And he says to her, woman, if thou only knew who you're talking to. She didn't know who she was talking to. And he was offering her the will of living water. You didn't even know what you're doing. Isn't it amazing one of the most powerful statements ever said was at Calvary? When he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. 
What he was saying was this. They're sinning because they don't know me. There's a lot of people that do a lot of things because they don't know him. That's why he comes to you before you can ever come to him. He saw you in the bar room. He saw you in the hospital. He saw you when you were doing things that weren't right. He saw you when you're, I've come to preach to you. That's why the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't wait on me to get good enough. He came to me because he was my answer. He was my provider. Somebody clap your hands and shout hallelujah. The river. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a river. There's a river. And the fact of the matter, you may be seated. The fact of the matter is, is that the blind man got healed in ankle deep water. He didn't even know Jesus. He said, they they brought him in the temple and said, how'd you get healed? He said, I don't know. Well, who was it that did it? I I couldn't find him. I don't know. But all I know is I was blind, but now I see. They brought his parents in there. Was he born blind or is he lying? Now they're saying Jesus, this Jesus is the one that healed him. Brought his parents in there, questioned him from the temple because they did not believe Jesus was the one that was sent. I believe Jesus was the one that was sent. Are you his parents? Uh, Chuck and Tina, uh, is this your son? Yeah, that's our son. He's, we all know that was blind, but uh, uh, we hear, you know, but maybe he faked it. I mean, he's, he's walking around and was he blind from birth? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He was blind from birth. You're, how did he get healed? Now, the Bible says the parents knew that if they would say it was Jesus that did it, they'd be kicked out of the synagogue, which means they would be dismembered from the congregation. They said, uh, okay, then how was he healed? And this is their response. Well, he's a grown man. Ask him. They slid out of that one, did they? They turn around to Jesus. I mean, they turn around to the blind man and said, oh, again, now you tell us. He said, are you believers also? Is that why you're trying to get me to tell you again? He said, all I can tell you is I was blind, but now I see it. What I'm preaching to you is right now is that the great revival that's going to happen in North America is going to happen with people that get touched by people that know God, but they don't know God. They just happen to be near him, even though they don't know him. Now, I feel like preaching here. When you begin to study Ezekiel chapter 47, the river didn't flow into the church. It flowed out of the church. It was never intended to flow into it. It was intended to come out of the church. That's why he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It was never supposed to stay in a building. Oh, I feel like preaching to you today. It was never supposed to just to become a pool where the Spirit of God fills up this building. We get lathered in His presence and we go home and forget about what happened on Sunday. Oh no, it comes up in the church. It comes up in our prayer time. Come on, that's why you start weeping when you're here because there's a river that bubbles up under the altar of the church that comes up, it flows through the audience, it flows through the congregation, but it doesn't stop at the sanctuary doors. No, it pushes the sanctuary doors open. It goes out. It flows down the steps into the parking lot. It flows down Echo Avenue. It flows down Chamberlain. It flows down 22. It goes down 93. It goes down 669. It hits I-70. Can I tell you? It has flown all the way down to Guatemala. It's now flowing into Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. You know why? Because there's no end to the river. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now you got to make your mind up. Be seated. This river, this river is so powerful. This river is so amazing. This river is immeasurable. This river, this river, this river, everything it touches gets healed. You came in. There's an old song that says, I went to church one night. My heart wasn't right. But something got a hold of me. Oh, something got a hold of me. I went to church one night, but my heart wasn't right. Oh, there's something. You know what that something was? It was a river. It was a move of God. It was a touch of his spirit. I can't preach it any further without asking you, do you want a church that's dead? You want a church that's dry? Or you want a church that has a moving of God's presence in it? How many want to have a moving of the presence of God? 
something about it. I've been in church where tumors disappear, blinded eyes open when the spirit of God starts moving. I've watched us throw the protocol away. It's caused me to stop preaching in the middle of a message, give an altar call, people run the altar and get delivered of crack cocaine and alcohol, get delivered of anxiety and fear and depression. I've seen if you could open your eyes and see at the bottom of the pool right here today in this altar where the river flows, you'd find chains of bondage and chains of uh, uh, mental diseases. You'd find chains of pill addictions and chains of brokenness and chains of bitterness. But somehow when the river touched them, all the chains fell off. All the bondage fell off. I'm going to tell you, you would find cancers in the, in the bottom of this pool. You would find sickness and diabetes at the bottom of the pool. Because when Jesus went to the cross and died and they whipped him with a whipping post. Not only did blood come out of him, but water in great amounts flowed out of him. And I come to tell you, he can heal every disease you're battling this morning. You listen to this preacher, there's nothing impossible for God to do. I said, there's nothing impossible for God to do. Somebody shout, there's nothing impossible for God to do. And the river comes and it flows through. And a river comes to you where you are and it heals you of that disease and that sickness. How many of you have ever been healed? Raise your hand. Just take a moment and look around. Look at all the hands that are up. People that have been healed of sicknesses and diseases. Because a river runs through it. And everything he said it touches. Let me. I'm a little bit out of breath. I've been preaching hard. I feel this. I feel a river coming out of me. I was preaching at a funeral one time. And uh, man, I was preaching. And I was talking about heaven. I started feeling the anointing of God. See, it's, uh, Jesus said it's going to be in you. In you. A well of living water. Springing up. Into everlasting life. That's why when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you'll, the Bible says they begin to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Because when the well gets in you, it comes out of you. The Bible said they begin to, Acts chapter 2, they started praying the wonderful works of God. They started speaking life. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. But anytime God speaks through you as the well of living water, Mary the mother of Jesus did. Paul said in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, he said, I speak with tongues more than y'all. He said, forbid not for people to speak with tongues. What he was saying, the Bible calls it praying in the Spirit. You pray from the spirits. God comes in. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, he said, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's powerful as a believer. Going to speak in another language. Going to lay hands on the sick people and they recover. Look at your neighbor and say, you could lay hands on a sick person and they get healed. Do you know why? Here's the explanation. Because when the Spirit of God comes to you, it's supposed to flow through you. It was never intended just to heal you. It's supposed to heal through you. So one river comes in and rivers come out. You actually bring life to your family. You bring life to your neighborhood. All right, here goes. Can I have a few more minutes? Or is a chicken getting burnt in the oven? The bread is going to get blackened while I'm preaching. Let it burn, let it burn, brother Scarlett. Let it burn, he said. I'm amen. I'm amen in you from the pulpit. Glory to God. Let it burn. Can I preach a few more minutes? That river flow, it, it began to flow eastward out of the temple. It come out. And its initial stages was ankle deep. Measure another thousand, it's knee deep. Because in your walk with God, you should get in deeper waters with Him. Not just supposed to be a healing. God forbid that the blind man goes the rest of his life and says, I don't know. All I know is I was blind. There ought to be a moment in his life and you'll find out Jesus came to him and revealed to him who he was. It's deeper water. Not just I went to church, had an experience. I have seen people healed and never come back. They had ankle deep miracles, but they never came to know God. They got touched by God, healed by God, but never got to know God. 
They got their fix and then left. It's not the will of God. Amen. Ankle deep, knee deep, hip deep. You ever stood at the beach and got an ankle deep of the ocean? You're pretty safe, right? How many's ever waded out knee deep? Then you really feel the sand start moving under your feet. Get hip deep, hip deep. You got there, you might, I mean, that's a little more. But they have this thing called rip currents that if you get to where it's over your head, it can take you to places you never knew you'd go. Because now you're in waters to swim in. Here's what the Lord would have me to tell every one of you in the building. Are you going to settle for ankle deep miracles where he just touches your body, fixes your headache, gets you through the day, but you don't know him? Or are you going to step out a little bit? So I'm going to see where this thing takes me. Because God never intended just to heal me and make me better. There's a moment that I've got to get in all the way. I can't touch the bottom and I can't touch the bank. I've seen a lot of people live for God this way. Woo, pastor, that was a good service. Splashing on the river. Re reaching down, getting a drink of the river. Oh, my, my, my. Didn't, wasn't that song good? Walk out here and go do your own thing. Enjoy the message and leave and not live it. Then you're dry and thirsty by next Sunday because you didn't have any walk with God. You just visited the pool but never learned to live in His presence. See, there's a river that flows out of the church. There's an experience in it, but there's a river that flows out of it. In that river is your divine destination. Is your whole reason for your existence. You see, you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. Your personality, every detail of you did not just come from your parents. It actually came from God. Designed for a time. Listen, designed for a specific purpose. And if you're not careful, you will come and dip in the river and leave on your own way of living and know and experience with God but never know the will of God because you never jumped in and let his spirit take you where he wanted to take you. It concerns me that we can have an experience with God and miss our divine purpose because we love the ankle deep moments but have never learned just to trust God and let him take me where he's supposed to take me because it's too comfortable to hold on to the shore of traditionalism family, family concepts. There's a whole pool of deity in the river that flows of God's way, God's plan, God's destiny. But we would rather, rather stand in human reasoning instead of spiritual logic and end up where God wants us to be. And you will live unfulfilled, never satisfied, even though you've experienced the river at one point because you chose your path over his way. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He told his disciples, he said, if you save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you will lose your life for my sake, he said, you'll find it. You know what that means? What shall a man profit? He gained the whole world and lose his own soul. You know what he was simply saying? Jump in. Get all the way in. Quit being a Christian on Sunday and something else on Monday. Why don't you just jump into a walk with God and watch the blessings of God flow in your life like never before. I don't want just a Sunday experience. I want to walk with him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Come on, lift your hands and say, God, I want everything that you have for me. I want everything that you have for me. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Watch this. Ezekiel 47 and verse 8. Would you turn there with me? Watch what it says. Would everybody shout the river? These waters issue out toward the east country. I want everybody to say it with me. It comes out of the temple. Flows into the community. You better get, a, you better get an idea. You better change, change the way of thinking that it just pours into here. 
The community shouldn't be blessing the church. It ought to be the church blessing the community. When you go to the job, you ought to be the blessing of that job, not just the job paying your bills. You ought to be the blessing of that family, blessing of that school, a blessing of that college. Well, I'm, I'm giving you a Bible here today. We're not careful. We'll walk around poverty stricken mindset. Just going to get by. Well, no, we're not supposed to survive. We're supposed to thrive. Why? Because it's an abundance. You can't measure the greatness of God. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you can't measure the prosperity and the blessing of God in your life. Well, nobody ever. You know, I was always the last person. We'd line up against the fence and playing kickball in the playground and everybody get picked but me. And live that life as if you're not ever going to be picked by God. He has hand chosen you. Not just to suffer for the next 25 years, but to be a healer to somebody in a broken place. Man, I feel like preaching to somebody. You got to get out of the mindset I'm not wanted. I don't belong. I don't have any purpose. I come to tell you you've got purpose. If you'll get in that river, there's healing coming through you. There's healing. Come, come on, let's all stand and stop. There's healing coming through me. Come to the music. There is healing coming through me, not just to me. It's going to save the, Timothy's not going to save you, it's going to save them that hear you. And you young men, listen to me. Don't fall into the trap of, of invalidation and inadequacy. Well, you know, I'll just, I'll just settle. Don't settle. God's got great things in store for you. Look at your neighbor and say, I am somebody. I'm the apple of God's eye. I am his elect. He has handpicked me. Maybe all of you were the first pick at the kickball game. Any of you ever been left out? Looked over? Anybody? If you're not careful, you'll carry that into your own faith and say, God doesn't even see me. Don't ever say that. Because he knows exactly where you are. But there's this river that you come into the church and it pours out of the pulpit. It pours out of the singers. When that praise team was singing a while ago, man, did it gush over you like it did me? Man, I felt a river come out of them. Because out of your belly shall flow rivers, life. Some of my wife get out in the aisle and begin to worship God on a leg they were supposed to amputate. She said, no rock's going to stand in my place. They told me I'd never run again. They did surgery on my foot when I was 12 years old in the hospital for two weeks, nearly died from blood poison. Told my mom when he goes into surgery, we might have to cut his foot off because of the severity of the infection. It turned half my bone block in there. It's going to be a living sore. He'll never run again, they told me. That's the foot they said I would have pain for the rest of my life. That's been 30 years ago and I'm healed. So don't make fun of me when I dance before God. He's been good to me. There is a river. Hallelujah. These waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert. Listen, I'm not saying that God would never put you in a desert place. But what I am saying, if you get to the desert place, you're the one bringing healing to it. You get put in the hospital, there's somebody you're going to give healing to. You're going to be put in dry places. Not so you can perish, but so the perish can come alive. Are you hearing me? You will have desert places living for God. But the reason there's dry times is because God's bringing a river through you to someone. Open your eyes and understand you're in the river where it's taking you. The lady wanted to beat the Guinness, Guinness Book of World Records in the farthest swim. She was smart enough to understand not just swimming in the ocean, but let's find the current. If I can just get in the current, I don't have to do all the work. It'll take me where I want to be. There is a current. Quit fighting, trying to do it yourself and let God just take you. How do I do it? I've got to have an altar. If I'm going to be blessed, I've got to have an altar. Somebody shout, I have to have an altar in my life. I never dreamt at 16 when I committed my life to the Lord that it would have taken me where it's taken me.
I didn't know in West Virginia that I would end up in the desert of Zanesville. I'm not dogging the city. I love this city. But there were some dry places that needed a river that you would end up in McConnellsville, Brother Tony in Crooksville, Brother Nutter in Coshocton, Brother Anthony in Pickerington. Because the river comes in, but it turns the rivers. Everybody say, this river becomes rivers. I don't have the time to preach everything that, that's in the book, at least in these few verses. But I'm telling you, there will be desert places. But if there's a desert place, it's because healing's coming to that desert place. Your inconvenience is going to be an opportunity. Lift your hands and pray right now. There's a miracle in the making. Quit trying to control God and His way in your life. And let go and let God lead you to where He wants you to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Quit settling for ankle deep moments. Plunge into the deep things of God. And say, Lord, I'm going to do everything your word says. If it's in the book, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not waiting any longer. I'm going to repent. I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to live a holy, separated life. God, I'm, I'll go to whatever nation you want me to go. I want to be whatever you want me to be. Come on, somebody call out to God in this church right now. I'm telling somebody, jump! Jump into the river and watch where God carries you. Let go of the bank. Let go of the shoreline and let it carry you to His will which is your reason and existence for living. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Don't miss it. You've only got one life to live. Quit controlling what God wants to do and let go. <laughs> and give your life to God so He can fix it, so He can heal you. So you can do what he's been wanting to do in your life for a long time. He's waiting on you to let go of you and say, I want the will of God in my life. Come on, if you're with your family right now, your circle, that's what those family sections are. If you're in your circle, grab your spouse's hand or neighbor's hand that's already in your circle. I want you to pray with them beside you. Go ahead, that's, that's all right. If you don't have anybody beside you, just pray. I want you to pray right now with one another, families individuals i want you to pray with each other god we don't want to miss the mark we do not want to miss the call of god in the name of jesus lord you're calling families today thanks again for listening to the anchor church podcast if you enjoyed it make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons if you're in the zanesville area we invite you to join us on sundays you can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church again thanks so much for listening and we hope to see you soon